Hello and welcome to the Wharton Fintech podcast. I'm your host Tarun Gupta and today I and my colleague Nidhi Singh host Alex Harris, founding partner at Fiat Growth and a general partner at Fiat Ventures. Fiat Growth is a leading growth shop in the startup space, built to optimize growth in a capital efficient way without sacrificing the need for top talent. Their diverse team includes leaders from Chime, SoFi, PayPal, Credit Karma, Ripple, and Amex, amongst others. Alex has deep experience as a growth operator. Most recently, he led paid growth and partnerships at Chime, helping them go from Series A to a unicorn at Series D. At P8, Alex has helped many fintech brands grow, including Besto, Sunday, Root, Trellis, Simplest, and Greenwood, amongst others. Alex holds an undergrad degree from the University of California at Berkeley as well as a Juris Doctorate and MBA from Seattle University. Join us as we discuss Alex's experience of working at high-growth startups, why Fiat believes in supporting founders from underrepresented communities, interesting trends in fintech that Alex is excited about, and why he has prioritized happiness over money in his career. Hope you enjoy the show. Hey Alex, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. So yeah. let's start by introducing your, yourself. For our listeners who may not know, could you provide like an overview of your career and how you got involved in fintech? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm Alex Harris, uh, co-founder of Fiat Growth and uh, co-founder and GP at Fiat Ventures. Been in growth my whole career. Been in fintech for about seven or eight years now. Most recently before starting Fiat, I was at Chime, the digital bank. I joined Chime just after Chime raised Series A, joined to lead paid growth initially. Our focus at the time was we were primarily a rewards card. And the pivot was, we think we can become a full-feature bank account that can be top of wallet for everyone. So I came to lead paid growth and expand out. Uh, we kind of had one channel working at the time, a small amount of spend per month, and lead that and really grow that, kind of create that that paid growth model that the Chime would had a, a lot of a lot of growth on. I pivoted there from from there to uh, lead partnerships at Chime that included monetization partnerships, growth partnerships, and strategic partnerships. After that, I realized I got to know all of these great up and coming brands as we were growing together in the space. Saw the opportunity to start advising a number of them. Just you know, you make friends, you chat through the challenges that they're going through, and we kind of ideate together and it just lends itself to, hey, it's uh, an opportunity to collaborate and help one another. So I saw the opportunity to start advising and consulting with a number of different companies. Uh, so made the jump to start Fiat, which I'm happy to get into the, into the weeds on, on, how, on how that journey went, if you'd like. Thanks, Alex. And I'm curious, just taking a step back before Fiat, you were one of the earliest employees at a Series A stage at one of the you know highest growth fintechs that is Chime. You also got the opportunity to lead so many different roles across paid growth partnerships, as you mentioned. How did you end up in that role so early in your career? Yeah, yeah, uh, it's a great question. Um, I, you know, the the honest answer is there's a lot of luck in it. I was really fascinated by the space, saw a lot of innovation happening, and saw opportunity to. Um, to really do it and, and, and lean in. I saw the opportunity to work for some experienced founders who knew the space. I'd seen you know, some good and bad in the space. Some people who are maybe good marketers or good 
they can build a great UX, but maybe didn't have appreciation and understanding of the space. Uh, was really attracted to the leadership at Chime and the depth that they had in the space and thought, hey, this is an opportunity to really, to really learn. I, I will say I, um, you know, I, I, <laughs> there's, a, there's a few things I think just as far as the interview process that I didn't realize that were so big at the time. But one was downloaded the app uh, and signed up for Chime, which seems like an obvious thing, but a surprising amount of people don't do it in the interview process. Um, I came with notes. I had a whole notebook full of these are notes on my experience. These are some ideas. These are some questions. And I, I think it, I think it showed, it showed one that I cared and was genuinely interested in it. And I think it also showed maybe a little bit of how I think, maybe a little bit of my own vision for what was possible. And that made a meaningful impact. I was told later on one of the reasons that I was lucky enough to get that role. I'd, I'd say there, there's a certain amount of preparation that comes in. I know that the same thing, our, our managing partner at Fiat Ventures, Marcos Fernandez, he similarly for his role at SoFi, where he led go to market for every product except for the first, he basically came in and he wrote his own job description. He said, this is what I'm going to do for you. I, I think there's a certain amount of making someone's making someone's job easier for them, making it easier for them to say yes to you. This is what I'm going to do for you. This is my observation. And I think the more you do that, rather than just sitting there answering their questions, uh, it allows them to really think of you, of you as a thought partner in growing of the business, rather than someone who's just kind of nervously trying to answer the question the best they can. So I, I, I do think looking back on the interview process, um, that, that played a big role. Yeah, totally. For a lot of our listeners recruiting into fintech, you know, this is great insight. So thank you for sharing. And after this incredible journey, you've now built your second uh, big sort of venture. Uh, what motivated you to build Fiat? Um, and how have you kind of gone on that journey? Yeah, yeah, it's a great question. I, I, I think, I, you know, I felt really fortunate to land at Chime. I felt really fortunate to learn from some of the best leaders in the space, um, including our uh, CMO, Melissa Alvarado, who um, honestly taught me so much about the principles of growth, experimentation, thoughtful prioritization, the data components that, that come that are necessary to really truly evaluate uh, complicated life cycles like in fintech. And I saw the opportunity in, in chatting with all of these other players in the space where they weren't necessarily practicing some of the same principles. So I saw the opportunity to take a lot of these growth principles and apply them to many others in the space and help them grow. I've always had a passion for this space for a number of reasons, for the impact it has on consumers, for you know financial inclusion and democratization of wealth building, for truly making a difference, helping people who were paying bank fees before have extra money in, in savings, for the, for the first time ever, um, all of these things were, were really meaningful to me. And so I felt this urge to really come together across the industry, share learnings. And I thought that I and the team that we built could be kind of that conduit for, for all these brands to grow together, develop best practices together, and, and shift the industry for the better. Let's switch gears for a bit and talk about Fiat. What is yeah. Fiat and what sectors and stages do you invest in? Yeah, absolutely. So I like our founding 
story of, of fiat, which is, so you heard the first part, the, 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 I, I wanted to do this. I was chatting with my good friend, Drew Glover, who I've known for 18 years, um, made, uh, made friends in college, which is definitely just reiterates how important those relationships in school are. We stayed in touch. I, I, uh, uh, Drew and I got to know each other. Drew actually played uh, football at, at Cal, at UC Berkeley, where we both went to school. I was a team manager. I like to tell people that Drew and I met because I did his laundry, which is true. I <laughs> I did laundry along with a, a whole lot else, um, and traveled traveled with the team. was often was often with the team on the practice field, and and Drew and I really got a lot of time to to chat. So he was my first call when I got busy. A few of the our first clients were uh, Bestow Life Insurance. Helped them launch. Um, they've since become one of the largest players in the in the insure tech space. Um, Root Insurance, uh, which IPO'd, and Sun, Sunday, uh, strong prop tech player in the space that also has has grown quite a quite a bit. Um, not yeah, not too long ago, it was named to um, Forbes next uh, next billion dollar company list. We had some good success with those, and I got. I got busy and I said, Hey, Drew, I, th- I need your help. And he saw to his credit the vision for what this could become, even more so. He thought rather than just being the, the two of us who saw these trends and insights and, and had these connections to bring it all together, he saw the power to, to build something larger. So we started collaborating and chatting about what that might look like. So, fast forward to today, we have close to 30 employees. There's a performance side of the business. So that includes everything foundational, kind of that we were discussing earlier. So that's uh, Martech analytics in your data stack, funnel optimization, lifecycle referral campaigns, which are huge in lots of verticals, but especially fintech. Then all paid growth channels, both offline and online. Believe it or not, direct mail actually still works, uh, especially in prop tech and a number of other channels. Our creative is all in house. Our creative director. Um, Todd has been with me for 12 years. He did all my creative at Chime, was nice enough to come along at Fiat. Um, then we have a go-to-market re- uh, vertical uh, led, led by uh, Mar- Marcos, who spent time in go-to-market both at SoFi and Brex and is honestly one of the most brilliant go-to-mar- go-to-market minds there is. Then we shift over, we have a partnership side of the vertical. So that's strategic partnerships. For instance, Lemonade offers uh, life insurance. It's actually white label bestow life insurance. Something we put together, affiliate, which is actually just a huge and fixed cost growth channel, becoming more and more popular every day. Influencer partnerships also becoming large, and then we started advising as well. We've been through both as operators and as part of companies. We've been through round after round of fundraise, so we kind of knew the narrative that we needed to share. We've seen what decks work, what questions people ask. So we started advising on that. Our model at Fiat was different from, we always say we're not an agency. We take a monthly retainer and then we typically are taking advisor shares. We also decided to take the right to invest. So this is just a, you know, a blanket, not a commitment, but a, hey, we can invest $500,000 in your next round. We're helping grow these businesses. We wanted some of that upside and that access to these, these top rounds. We heard from a number of people Hey, your growth track record, you should really have a fund. You should really put some dollars behind what you're doing. So we decided to branch out 
and raise our, our first fund, our fund one. That is Fiat Ventures. Mar- Marcos um, joined us from, at the time, he was at Ripple, the cryptocurrency lead- leading business development. We had the good fortune of having him advise early in the career, in, his, uh, in the days of Fiat. And he was nice enough to give us a shot to convince him to build a venture fund together. It was something that really all three of us, Drew, Drew Marcos, and myself had wanted to do. And so we came together, refined our value props and what we wanted to do in our investment thesis, and then have um, been raising uh, our fund one. And we'll actually uh, be shortly announcing publicly uh, the close of our fund one. We've deployed, uh, we have made investments in 23 companies uh, to date. We have led three rounds, two of which are public one of which we're very proud of and it will be public soon. And uh, just unbelievably proud and feeling very fortunate for, the, for that journey that we've had both on the fiat growth and fiat venture side. That's great, Alex. And you know, I read somewhere that fiat believes in investing in teams and founders that reflect the market about what it's going to be like a decade from today. And I also saw that a significant number of your portfolio companies have founders from minority backgrounds. What is the inspiration um, behind establishing these values? And how do you go about identifying founding teams with, that reflect these values? And then how do you continue to support them along their journey? It, it's a great question. And it just so happens that the three of us really are like-minded in terms of how, how we see the world, our morals, um, the impact we want to make. You know, Life is short and we want to, to make our impact felt in the right ways. We've seen a financial system that benefits certain segments and leaves many segments behind, neglects these segments for a variety of reasons. And technology and this mission can really change that. We felt empowered to find the best and the brightest, lend our growth support to it and our financial support through a check to help make that, that impact. I, I think it really just comes from something that has uh, is at our core of a, each of us individually, but developed. I'll just say for me personally at Chime, which you know focuses on essentially in the majority of this country, you know, not the San Francisco or New York typical crew, but how the majority of this country lives. So we saw the the pain points and wanted to really invest in those solving it. Very proud to say, uh, to, to your point about uh, investing in underrepresented founders, that uh, 54% of our investment dollars have gone to underrepresented founders. There's a few components of that. The biggest is making sure, like any investor, you have good deal flow. And that means you need to have a wide network, leverage that network, and see the best of the best deal flow. We are investing in uh, underrepresented founders whenever possible, but it's we're not investing in them because they're underrepresented. They happen to be underrepresented and happen to understand these problems and have incredible backgrounds and passion and power to really deliver on their mission. It is something, I'll tell you, there's a little bit of an intangible component to it. There's... Uh, there's something where you're two minutes into a call, you see the passion and fire and energy in someone's eyes, and you know that they will not be stopped. You know that 
they live and breathe and think this. They, you know that they have lived the experience that they're trying to solve. And that often is something, of course, we validate with further due diligence and conversation, but you can see that in the, in the beginning. And I, I think there, there, it's one thing for someone to say, these are the problems I want to solve. It's another for someone who has actually lived it, understands it, understands the market that they're serving. And uh, we've been fortunate because of our deal flow to meet a number of incredible founders that, uh, that have that passion, that direction, that vision, that, in, that intelligence and brilliance and drive. And uh, we can see that you know, we can play our small role in their journey and together make a big impact to make change in the space. My next question might be of special interest for listeners given the current macroeconomic climate. Is Fiat hiring? If yes, what is that you look for in your potential colleagues? Yeah, ab- absolutely we are. I, I say, you know, one of the best things that I learned from Chime was hire people that are smarter than you and better than you. Uh, no knock at Chris Britt whatsoever. He's he's brilliant in his, in, and uh, is a great leader. But one, well, one of his areas of brilliance is he knows how to identify and hire the best experts in the space. He knows what pieces to put together and leads, the, leads them in a fantastic way. And so I, I took that to heart. There's a few things I know a little bit about, but I have the, I think the self-awareness to know that there are a whole lot smarter and better people than me out there. And the best thing I can do is be honest about that and uh, have a great honest conversation with them about their strengths and weaknesses look for their own self-awareness and really kind of tailor a role to their own strengths and weaknesses, where their heart is, where they want to learn and develop. And that's something we've take, taken to heart. So that being said, the answer is absolutely we're hiring and we're looking for people with the right passion and dedication and, and focus. And, and, you know, just a, just an honest awareness of, Hey, this is my superpower that I bring. This is an area that I maybe need some work in, but I'd love to learn. And this is an area that I really don't want to work in and that's okay. So absolutely. And would love, would love to connect. This is a, uh, like, like I said, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a small part of this and it's really our team. And so it, it is the, you know, on, honored for anyone who would want to consider uh, joining our journey. So for everyone who's listening, go to Fiat Growth or Fiat VC's website and check out what job openings there are. I'm sure, Alex, there'll be many DMs coming your way, but uh, good luck, good luck for that. And we just wanted to shift gears now and hear your take on the overall industry. Um, You were recently at Money 2020, and we also saw that Fiat uh, released a 2022 trends report that highlighted so many of these sectors that were covered at Money 2020, like embedded finance, creator economy, rebundling financial services, and more. But what were your key takeaways? Yeah, it, it was an exciting event to go to. Um, I've been several times in the past, and you know, this was the first time I think post COVID or to the extent that we're post COVID that the event was really back and felt alive. It was the largest I've ever seen. The energy I've seen, I've seen. I think there's a bit of a feeling of you know because of the public markets and some of the valuations and, and how they've changed that there would be some kind of negative doomsday energy there. And it was the exact opposite. 
there was so much excitement and optimism, which just on the surface was, was wonderful to see. You know, uh, several big takeaways, though, that it wasn't blind optimism that wasn't aware of changes in the market. A big shift I think we're seeing, and it's just as, as, the, as the space matures, is we're seeing the shift to focus on sustainable economics, not growing at all costs, but growing the right way. And so there's a lot of conversation. Uh, a big piece that I kept hearing was B2B and B2B2C and embedded finance. Certainly there's a lot in that space um, where, where you can have promising economics quickly. It's becoming more and more expensive to acquire on the consumer front. And so you're seeing a bit of a shift away from that. And if you are in consumer, the question becomes, okay, what's your differentiation here? And that's something that conversations that we have a lot. So the, the general theme of Money 2020 seemed to be excitement uh, for the future and innovation as always, but also focusing on shifting towards building these, these thriving, sustainable, more mature businesses uh, rather than just a pure growth, growth machine without the down funnel and lasting metrics. For my next segment, what I'd like to do is introduce you more as a person, more as an individual to our listeners. Sure. So I have a series of rapid, rapid fire questions lined up for you. How many fintech apps are on your phone and which one is your most favorite or most used? I certainly have Chime. Part of it is supporting it and also just seeing. Um, there's a lot of probably just market research I do. Uh, I use Chime as an example often. I pay close attention to Robinhood and, and use that. I think a lot of um, exploration in, in crypto also and, and, and tracking that. It's a great kind of day-to-day platform for that. I have certainly most of our investments. I mean, generally, generally speaking, at any given point, you know, I probably have 10 or 20 different uh, fintech apps on my phone that I'm exploring whether or not they become part of my everyday life, I think depends on if it resonates with me. Um, I do use, I'll say, uh, Early Bird, which is a gifting platform uh, for kids. For You give the gift of investment. That's a really cool app that I hadn't heard of before. So thanks for sharing. And this Definitely. is an interesting question. We'd love to hear your first thought on whether if money wasn't a constraint, what would you be doing? Exactly what I'm doing today. It's, uh, I've thought about that and it, this is what I do for fun. It's maybe possible I'd work a little less, but th- this is exactly what I'd be doing. I said, I said, I wanted to, uh, advise, invest and teach. Maybe I'd be teaching a little more. I did get the opportunity. Um, I've been a, a guest speaker at the university of Washington for a number of years and over COVID, when it was all virtual, they asked if I would teach a class there, and I had the opportunity to teach, which was an absolute thrill uh, to teach at the at the business school. I might teach a little more and maybe work a little less, but I truly have a passion for what I'm doing. It's what gets me motivated every day. So this is exactly what I'd be doing. Beyond that, I do have some personal answers. I, I'd like to open an animal rescue someday. I have a vision for providing jobs to those who are disabled or elderly or unable to have a a traditional job and having them provide the love and care to the extent they can 
for some shelter animals that really can benefit one another and create a better, a better system of animal rescue. So I guess there's that component as well. Are there any risky career moves that you made and what were the thought process behind those moves? Oh yeah. So I don't really talk about it that often, but I went, I mean, I went to law school. I, I have a law degree. I did, I did a joint JD MBA and the traditional path would have been just going to law, going to law, work hard, have a 80 hour a week job at a firm, make, you know, pretty good money. Instead of doing that, I took my first job in tech. I, I, uh, I made 30 K a year and that was far less, far less than you'd make as an attorney. And I, um, the company is still around today, but that was not a, not a success of, of chime level. And that was a risk definitely in itself. I think abandoning law is also, um, if there's a fair, fair amount of, uh, for better or worse, I come from a family of lawyers, not, not just my father and sister and cousins and uncles and aunts and a whole lot of lawyers where that was kind of the, the path to follow. And so I was definitely deviating to say, no, I'm going to make this move into tech instead. That certainly was risky. Uh, I think there's also a lot of people who look at leaving Chime when, so we were, we had just, as I was leaving, we were just becoming a unicorn for the first time. That round we raised put us at 1.5 billion. And I left a fair amount of um, stock options on the table. And at that point, I decided it was time to optimize for happiness and not just focus on money. And I did have the side goal of you know, potentially making up for what I left on the table. But it really was a move for happiness that, um, to create fiat. And again, I think it was a, a, was a, a risk that has really pay, paid off and is something that both of those moves felt right in my heart. It's where it's where my heart was um, was pointing me, where I knew I wanted to be. So, even had those moves failed, given the information at the time that I had, it was the right move, and I I stand by them. And I feel very fortunate that they both happened to have worked out. Well, the heart wants what it wants, right? Absolutely, can't help it. All right, Alex. On that note, we'll let you go back to work. But thank <laughs> you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This is a pleasure. And I look forward to all of the DMs <laughs> that, that I may get. Definitely. And next time we'll have that Ruben sandwich. Thank you. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Work in Fintech podcast. If you like the show, then please show us some love on social media or consider leaving a review. It means a lot to us and helps spread the word to more listeners. If you want more content from our fintech community, please subscribe to our podcast and find us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, and Medium at Wharton Fintech. There you will find interviews, articles, videos, and much more analyzing all aspects of the industry. As always, special thanks to our editor, Rafael Osteria. Signing off until next time, I'm your host, Tarang Gupta. Gupta.